thanks for coming to the last episode in season one of the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, a show for people marketing their beautiful little businesses on the internet. It's a good one. They've all been good. I'm so grateful to the guests who've agreed to come on to a podcast that's unknown and so far unproven. I'm Helen Perry and welcome to the office room over our garage where I record these shows and do my work. Running and promoting your own business, as you may know, can seep into all corners of your week and spaces of your home. My work-life balance podcast is not coming soon. But what if your home is your job and sharing it on Instagram pays the bills? What's that like? Our guest this time, Lisa Dawson, is an interiors ultra enthusiast, obsessive, a home stylist, Instagram influencer and author. Her book's called Resourceful Living. And we chat about things like what happens when some of your followers don't like the way you've done up your downstairs loo. And I'm like, would you go around to someone's house and say, do you know what? That looks shit, right? You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't do that. So why do you think that's acceptable to do that on social media? On the same line, though, is I don't want flattery, right? I don't want people to go, oh, it looks beautiful. I'm there to chat. Lisa started sharing photos of her home, her beautiful home in Yorkshire on Instagram in 2016. Now, almost 200,000 people follow her adventures and she's turned social sharing into a business. She works for brands, creating content around their products and then showing it to her people, her followers. The job of an influencer. We talk about what that actually involves day to day how to treat your online audience properly and how we should expect them to treat us. We cover overwhelm and moving furniture on your own and keep listening for her number one tip for Instagram success. But first, let's go back to the beginning when interiors influencing wasn't a thing. For years and years, I had just been posting pictures of my kids and dog and food and all that kind of stuff but I'd never used hashtags or anything and then in January of 2016 I started posting the changes I was making to the house room by room and I found a hashtag that people were using online called my style photo challenge and it wasn't an interiors hashtag it was a general style hashtag so every day it had a prompt so that could be red or it could be gold or it could be something I love it could be anything and I started posting my house and everyone else was posting lots of different things and there was uh, a few other people posting interiors including D Campling at the time and the two of us realized that we were posting our houses every day and we also realized that there weren't any Um, hashtags which were interior related in the UK. Um, Instagram had been the domain of fashion and beauty for so long. There was no real interior network here in the UK. Over in the States, it had been huge for a long time. You know, interior blogs are massive um, in the States and online magazines. They've got Apartment Therapy, Domino, Origin. You know, they've got loads of big ones. There wasn't really anything like that over here. So Dee and I met up, we got on really well. My family thought I was mad meeting someone off the internet. We decided, uh, along with another lady who was on Instagram at the time, uh, that we would start a hashtag 
called My Home Vibe. And there were no interiors related hashtags at the time in the UK. So we started this off and what we did was is we would get everybody to post to the hashtag and then every Saturday we would post that picture on all three of our feeds. And it just went down a storm, you know. I mean, it was, there was people posting everywhere. <laughs> Whereas before, no one had really had the confidence to post their home. I felt really weird when I started doing it. My children thought it was just hilarious. You know, just the idea that it would be strange to Instagram your house. Like, I can't, I can hardly remember a time where I didn't look at the, the inside. I know. The inside it's of people's crazy. houses. On the on the internet, and you know, you've just reminded me that it's not necessarily the most normal thing in the world, but it's what we do now. It's what did, we do. It's what we do. Did you and Dee have in mind? Let's create a massive audience. Let's see if we can monetize this. Was that? Oh my gone? gosh! No, no, monetizing it wasn't even a thought. You know, it was so, it was the weirdest thing. I've always been interiors obsessed. I've always loved decorating my house searching for vintage treasure. You know, I've loved doing all that for years. I had folders filled with magazine pictures. I'd save stuff. I used to apply apply to Rocket St. George, again, were one of the first online shops. And I used to enter all their competitions online. You know, this is before people were even using Instagram for it. And we never dreamt for a moment. We were just so excited to find other people who liked what we liked. Because prior to that, I didn't have any friends who loved interiors like I did. You know, they liked interiors, but they didn't love interiors. For them, decorating a room would be a chore and not a joy. Whereas for me, it was, I loved it. I would do it all the time. So what Instagram did with that hashtag and with um, all the hashtags that came after it is it brought together people who truly, truly loved doing up their houses and it gave them the confidence to be able to share other things. So that was the only thought in our mind. We didn't, monetizing wasn't even an option. You know, it wasn't even a thing. But then what happened? We became friends. We discovered loads and loads of small businesses um, and those businesses started sending us like gifts. So like someone would say, I think the first person to send the first small business to send me something, I couldn't believe it. She sent me two mugs and I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Not least because my husband would sit there and my kids and go, look at all that time you're spending on Instagram talking to people you've never met in your life. You know, do your actual job. Because <laughs> all this time I was doing. I was doing uh, my, my job as um, a transcriptionist. I was still doing that as well as spending all this time on Instagram taking photographs and styling my house. So they sent a, a small business sent me some mugs and um I put the mugs on inst in my feed post and then people bought the mugs. We were like, whoa, this is like a whole new thing. What's going on? This is so crazy. Small business over the moon, they wanted to send something else. We were like, oh, this is so like this is a whole different ball game. It was really weird. Like it wasn't a thing. There was no interior influencers. So that was kind of how it started. And the first idea that we had about monetizing it was um, Dee and I went on a workshop, an interior workshop for a well-known interior designer. And we came out of it feeling that we that wasn't what we had wanted to hear. So the uh, interior workshop we went on talked a lot about decorating your home in dark shades and how you had to do this. And this was essential. And is this right? Which of these is right and which is wrong? And we were like, whoa, 
Um, Because DNI's way of decorating was that nothing was wrong, right? If you want to decorate your house with polka dot wallpaper and a massive lion at the front door, then you should be able to do that and you shouldn't be criticised for it. So we wrote our own workshop and then we launched it in October of 2016 and we hadn't even written it. That's the best way. That's so bad. That that is my way. That's the only way I can work. Oh my God, I know. If I've got got a paying customer turning up, then I better flipping right it's amazing it. but, I know <laughs> but if I haven't then I don't yeah. I, re- I remember when you guys used, used to do them it felt like most weekends you'd be off going to different beautiful houses around the country yeah. and hosting we used people to do it. yeah we used to do it in our own homes and then we started doing it in other people's homes and we te- we did one a month um and we basically talked about decorating your home to make you happy and that's what we did and we did that for a while then we started doing it with brands during all this time, things were starting to change on Instagram and bigger brands were starting to ask us to do things. There was a, a poster company who I'm sure many of your listeners will know um, who are on Instagram and they had sent me some posters to put on the wall in return for an Instagram post. And this is still back in early 2017. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know. And then about a month later, they asked me to do the same thing. And I was like, my husband was going, like you're honestly spending all this time doing the work styling it they're a big company they're getting a lot of benefit from this by this time I probably had around 60,000 followers probably and getting a lot of benefit from it he said you should charge they them need to, and I was they like need to pay you, yeah. they need they to need be to paying pay. for your time so I obviously I had absolutely no idea what to charge absolutely no idea whatsoever and there was no one to ask because nobody was doing it Nobody was charging, nobody to ask. And I said, okay. I said, I'll do that and I'll charge you £75. And they wrote back and they said, okay, we'll have two. And I was like, Sounds like a bargain. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm being paid to post on Instagram. And that was when I realized that I had a, a product that I could utilize. The next time somebody asked me to do it, I doubled my price. And I said, okay, it's £150 a post. And then I did that for a very long time. There's nobody to talk to about it. There was There's no one to talk yeah. to about it. Literally brands, no one brand, to talk to. The brands didn't know either. They still don't. Brands had no think. idea. The brands had no idea what to do. I still think that, I still think there's a lack of appreciation, um, or I sense, I mean, you would have a much better idea of the actually the time that it takes to create beautiful content. And perhaps that's still undervalued. Yes. And you know what? It doesn't matter. And what has become apparent, things have changed. Things hit a peak, they changed around and now they're changing again. But one thing is really apparent when you're creating content on Instagram, and that is it has to be really, truly shit hot. Because what you're doing is you are you are doing the job of about five different people. And the brands who previously would have paid for advertising or magazine advertising or even television advertising for any sort of advertising are getting this massive social media ball. They're getting their name out there. So you've got to think about, you know, I get it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much how many followers you've got. It's about what you're producing and the quality of it. And that is a really important thing and that is what brands pay for because when they employ a content creator to create content for them whether it's video or whether it's static or whatever it is or whether it's written anything they do that so they can repurpose it on their own channels and therefore it has to be really good so you could have 500,000 followers but your content is shocking and you won't get the work because if you don't produce really good content then 
the brands won't 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 want to repurpose it and what they're paying for is what they're paying for is if they were doing an advert in a magazine or interview or whatever so as instagram progresses and things move all the time the platform changes all the time really it's about sticking to a benchmark of quality and that is really proof now i think at the moment of how that works and that is not dependent on followers not dependent at all there are some you know anything from 10,000 up even lower you know it doesn't matter anything over a thousand is classed officially as an influencer if you are producing really hot content you will be approached by brands how long would you say that you've been running Lisa Dawson on Instagram as a business at a kind of full-time wage so when I got that first job um, and I got paid I got quite excited about that and I was like if I can make this work then I can give up my side business, which was really, really boring. <laughs> it was basically listening to people talking and typing it. But it wasn't great. But it, but do you know what it did do? Is it enabled me to be really, really good at editing. So one of the first things I did, I started posting in the January. By the June, I'd launched a blog, mostly because... I was asked lots of questions about where do I buy things and how did I do that and whatever. So I wanted a platform on which to do it. And I've always been quite tech minded. So I set up my own website and I just started posting a blog every week. And I did that solidly for six years, which was really, really hard work. <laughs> And because trying to notes, on my notes, I've got (laughs) Lisa is Captain Consistency. Because every every Sunday morning, I do do you still do it? Every well, I do. Do you know I've had to reduce it to every two weeks because I simply my workload is so hard. But I've only done that in the past month. Every Sunday morning, every single clock, I would get a post to say Lisa's consistency. I know from doing my previous roles in life is that consistency in whatever you do is key. So having a routine and sticking to it. I see so many people on Instagram who go, right, I'm launching a blog. Here we go. Here is my blog. And I'm going to, you know, from now on, this is it. Round of applause. And then two weeks later, they're like, okay, I'm just going to have a few break for a few weeks. I haven't had time. And then a month later, they're like, okay. And then before like six weeks down the line, and then they're not posting at all. And it's really easy to do that. Because it's really, really hard work thinking of different content for every single week. But that, when I started that blog and I set up my website, that was when I felt like I was a brand. I felt like in my, I set up an email address and all that stuff. I was like, I tried all sorts of things to, to, to make my job on Instagram. I did e-decor. You know, I used to... Um, to take people's homes and design rooms for them or tell them, do them sourcing lists and all that sort of stuff. I tried every single route during 2017 when Instagram was trying with gradually interior content creation, influencing was becoming a thing. So I tried lots of different things. And eventually I would say um, it was the end of 2017 and I, I was making the same on Instagram that I was making doing my job. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I hit that figure, then I I gave up my other job and I started concentrating on the website. And is it just you now? Do you manage this whole thing yourself? Because you're very yeah, responsive. Oh. You're very responsive on Instagram, Lisa. I don't know. I try not to send DMs to big accounts because I can imagine how overwhelming it is. But I don't know if I've ever sent you a DM and you haven't acknowledged it in some way or left a comment on one of your posts and you haven't at least 
press the little heart button. Is I try so hard. It's totally all me. And mostly that is because I'm a total control freak. <laughs> so I can't give anything to anyone else. And the amount, um, I did have an agent for some t- for a while and it's just, it. I can't do it. I can't hold, o- I can't hand over that responsibility. So, but again, going back to consistency. So I respond to everyone on DM because I always think if someone's taken the time to message, then you should take the time to write back because first of all, it's courtesy. And secondly, they're your audience. If it wasn't for my audience, I would be nothing. I wouldn't be anything. I would just be someone posting their house on Instagram to a vacant abyss, which is I know what it feels like posting on Instagram a lot of the time anyway, quite frankly. <laughs> but um, that's what I would be. So and then again, the same applies to comments on my posts. I really do. Sometimes I lose some along the way, but I really try and respond to everyone because it's like if someone flattered you in the street or if someone said a nice comment to you in the street, you would say thank you very much. So social media should be the same. And I think it's ever so true. And again, it's something that I've just come to realise in the few years that I've been running my business. Just being consistent is almost all it takes to succeed. 100%. Like literally, it just keep on going and keep on showing up and you'll be in the top kind of 2% of people. Because nearly, nearly everybody else will find it too hard because it's hard. It's so hard. And I always say that to anyone who ever messaged me about either wanting to start a blog or wanting to get make their Instagram work. I'm always just like, just do it regularly. And with Instagram, it doesn't, obviously, the more you post, the better. But if you post twice a week, make sure you do it twice a week. Like, People will come to expect it. It's all about routine. People like routine. They like the knowledge that you're going to be there doing that. Sometimes, like yesterday, I didn't I didn't story in the morning and someone messaged me. They're like, are you okay? You haven't done any stories. <laughs> you know, it's about being consistent. And, you know, at Christmas, I saw loads of people signing off at Christmas. I can't sign off at Christmas because my audience, is, they expect me to be there. And also... Why would it, it was a really rubbish Christmas, and it's like, why would I not want to? My my audience are there and have supported me. Then I want to be there and support them as well, and show them Provide. that they might not only they might not be having you know everyone's having a shit Christmas. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to come out. Yeah. Does the work life balance thing? I mean, I'm not really sure such a thing genuinely exists, but there come have there been moments when you're like, this is more than I bargained for. I'm yeah, not sure it's sometimes what I, I have. Um, I tend to reach a point, and it's been like this over the last five years, where I reach a point where I start to feel out of control. So it's generally workload makes starts, you know, and then I'm not keeping up with everything else. And then I have mass anxiety and I wake up in the night and I have panic attacks. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, just anxious. I wake up feeling anxious. And then I know that I have to just calm down and, and work out what I'm doing and where I'm going. And that's what I did recently when it just became too much um, writing a blog every week. And also, because I've been on Instagram a long time, I tend to work with brands on a long term, sort of a, a, a extended basis. So I have a lot of work, which is obviously amazing. And I am just massively grateful that I've managed to get these opportunities from Instagram. But I, I couldn't I couldn't do the blog. It was just too much. I was ended up what was happening is I was writing the blog on a Saturday 
and a Saturday night. And my kids were, you know, off school and I was in my office and it just was too much. And I just, I ummed and ahed about it for ages. And then I just decided to look, say I'm doing it every two weeks. But then, of course, what I do, because I'm a massive glutton for punishment, I start doing Saturday niche edits. Every Saturday morning, I list, I take a very niche item, such as a butter dish or whatever, and then I'll find 12. And do you know what? I love doing it. I actually really love doing it. And probably compiling it only takes me an hour. But I love doing it so much that I just can't, I, you know, even if I, I wanted to stop, I wouldn't because it, it's so, it brings me as much pleasure as it brings the people who like it. So it's difficult. That work-life balance, I have tried to recently address it, um, but I often feel like I'm out of control and then I do get quite anxious and shout at everybody. So I try and I write a lot of lists and I take, if I say I'm going to take a day off, I do take a day off. And what does the day of an interiors influencer look like? What kind of work are you doing most of the time? For the last year, I've had usually around four or five campaigns on the go at the same time. So that's constant. So what do I you have, mean by, for somebody who doesn't know how this works, what do you mean by a campaign? So I'll work with a brand and a brand will employ me to do a variety of things. And it could be quite honestly anything. This month, I'm working with a big high street brand on four or five posts promoting a new range that they've got. I'm also writing a trend report for an online brand and that is not Instagram based that is presenting the trend report to journalists I am also talking on a panel to um, a webinar I'm also writing a blog I've also writing a blog for a brand I'm also working on a, a, a food campaign over I'm an ambassador for a food brand over the course of a year so I'm creating recipes for IGTV Pretty much like everything. So I, I cover. I mean, it's a beautiful whole... amount of variety, though. You must. Yeah, love I love it. it. And I, I can see love how. It. Yeah. I can see how you're like. I can't say no to that. I want to. No, do that. I that love it. Awesome. I don't want to say no because yeah. um, I really, really enjoy doing it, and I love trying different things. And you know, reels for me. I know that a lot of people don't don't enjoy making them, but I love doing stuff like that because. It's creative. Like, it's really good fun to pull it together and to see the finished product. If it wasn't for social media and Instagram, I would have nowhere to do stuff like that. So when it comes to work, because I find everything that I do really, really interesting, I don't I don't want to turn it down. So I do assess what I've got. And one thing I do do, actually, just to say, is that when I get offered work, which I'm offered work a lot, unless it actually really gels with what I do, and that could be food, it can be beauty, it can be interiors, it can be anything, unless it really gels with what I do. And I know that my audience are going to like it, then I don't accept it. And I turn down work all the time from companies I don't have that affinity with. There are certain brands that I know when I am approached by brands, I know that it's going to fit my demographic. And I know that the people that follow me will associate with it. Just to touch on, I guess, uh, and negativity and the kind of conversations that happen on your account I'm really fortunate I have a little account and it's largely overwhelmingly positive but you'll get the odd bit of 
constructive criticism and it sits really heavily uh, is this something do people feel the need to share that kind of thing with you and if so um, how have you learned to cope with it yeah do you know I do I, that's one thing on Instagram which I think has um increased massively over lockdown like to a ridiculous extent and I've been on Instagram for six years and I've never seen as many people being critical of others as I have. I mean, obviously, with what we've just been through with the football, that covers everything, doesn't it? You know, people seem to treat social media as somewhere that they can just say what they think. And if there's if there's one thing that always makes me really annoyed, it's when I hear people going, well, I'm just being honest. It's just my view. I'm like, you know, those words say what I think are the rudest, unintelligent things to say because if you are saying what you think to someone without any consideration about how they're going to feel about it, then that is not kind. Like that is not. Why would you do that? And I get really, I get quite annoyed about it actually. And I hate it when I see it on other people's accounts and I hate it when I've had it on my account. I did, um, I decorated my downstairs toilet the other day. Uh, actually, I'm not going to lie. It was not very successful. I used cork boards, which I'd used. <laughs> across. Oh, no, it surely was- not. Really bad. <laughs> Not, they're all falling off the wall. It's all bad. Um, anyway, I did it the other day and I put cork, a tiled cork, and I did it because I've got lots of pictures stuck to the wall and I wanted to tile it onto cork. Anyway, it brought out for some unknown reason, I don't know what it was, lots of views from people who simply were messaging me going, I don't like that. You've got that wrong, haven't you? And I'm like, would you go around to someone's house and say, do you know what? That looks shit. Right. You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't do that. So why do you think that's acceptable to do that on social media? On the same line, though, is I don't want flattery. Right. I don't want people to go, oh, it looks beautiful. I'm there to chat. Right. So I'm not looking. It's not that I want people to go, that looks amazing. It looks fabulous. I don't want them to do that either. But I want them to chat about it. They don't need to flatter me, right? That isn't what I, I'm I'm looking for when I post a picture. I'm looking for conversation, which is what Instagram has always been about, conversation with like-minded people. The problem is, I think, also when you're on Instagram, you've been on Instagram for quite a while, is that people often think they, they know you well enough to be able to say things like that to you, but they're actually things that they wouldn't say to their own family. <laughs> Changing gear. Your book is called Resourceful Living, Revamp Your Home with Key Pieces, Vintage Finds and Creative Repurposing. Um, A lot of what you do on your account is about teaching people and sharing tips and advice and sourcing things. But I also have noticed, and maybe it was always there and maybe I've only noticed it in the past couple of years, I guess a sense of responsibility that perhaps you feel to not be telling people to buy new things all the time, but to be reusing, shopping their own home, that kind of thing. What do you think? Am I, am I, am I yeah, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And actually, that's how I've always felt. If you were to look at my home, um, in fact, my home in Caversham, if you'd have looked at that, you'd have seen it's pretty much decorated kind of the same way that my house is now. There's no difference. I was doing exactly the same thing. As I have a bigger platform now, what I'm really keen to do when I talk on my account is that I would never say don't buy new right? There's no, everyone, you know, it's nice to buy new. It's nice to buy good quality new. It's nice to go into a shop and buy something. I would never, ever say that that 
should not happen. I do that myself a lot. I spend a lot of time in home sense. <laughs> right. But what I am saying in, I think, in my book and on my feed is that, you know, think about those those purchases, those big purchases in your home when you're looking. So, for example, I have uh, Togo sofas, right? They were not cheap sofas. I'd wanted them for 15 years. So I saved up and I bought them. Those sofas will never leave my house, right? They will be there forever. They're not going anywhere. They're amazing quality. They have excellent resale value if I ever did want to sell them, right? They were a really, really good investment. Um, but what I do is I team them with um, with charity shop finds, with stuff I found on eBay, um, stuff that I've moved from other areas of my house. So it's getting that mix, which I think is a more sustainable way to look to the future when you're decorating your house. I mean, in the old days, you would go into a department store and you would buy a whole room set of furniture all the same to match. And that those days are gone, you know, in the way that we're living now, that doesn't happen. Lisa, do you feel under pressure to redecorate your house for Instagram all the time? Someone asked me that the other day and I said, you know, I can promise you now that I never, unless it's for a work job and I am, I'm, I'm doing a campaign and I'm decorating a room for a campaign, then I don't, I don't do it for Instagram. I do it for myself, which is my cork loo has proven. <laughs> um, I honestly, I do it entirely because I really, really love doing it. And most of the time, what looks like redecoration is not actually redecoration. It is paint. It is moving things around. It is upcycling things. It's taking things out of one room, putting them into another, shopping my home. It's getting that, it's it's refreshing. My mum used to, I, we, we would come home from school and she would have swapped rooms around. Like we had a dining room, we had a, a 30 semi, we had a dining room and a living room. She would swap them around regularly. That's what she'd do. That's what I was like. And I am like that. I just love making things look fresh, giving refreshing a space. And um, yeah, I do that purely for myself. Um, and I always have done. And that was what was so great when I went on Instagram, because I met other people who also have that same passion for doing it. They love that, you know, refreshing of the space. I saw yeah. a really funny one of those memes that just makes you smile on, um, I think it was on Erica Davis's account. And it was just, it just said, there's nothing stronger and more passionate than a woman moving a piece of furniture on her own. Yeah. And I oh, was just gosh. like, you, do you know when you're like, you know when you're like, that that's moving that is and it's so, moving, it's going it now. so <laughs> true. The amount of times that I've done that, I've actually ruined furniture from doing that. I can remember carrying a microwave because I was moving my kitchen around when I was nine months pregnant, lifting this massive microwave. And my husband came home, he was like, how did that even get there? I picked it up, nine months pregnant. What is the one thing a person can do, in your opinion, to make their social media marketing a success? I would say quality every single time. You have to produce, make sure you take the best picture at the best, in the best, best possible setup. Like it has to be as good as you can get it. It doesn't matter what you're taking a picture of actually, but you have to make that picture as good as it can be. When I take a picture for my feed, which actually I don't tend to do so much now. I used to post every single day. Now I post about two or three times a week. I will take no joke, between 50 and 100 pictures of that 
setup before I choose the one that's going to go on Instagram. Blimey. Oh, yeah. Easy. It's not just a one click thing. I could show you my phone and flick through. I have got, I take between 50 and 100 pictures of the same thing to make sure that picture is right. And then when I've got that picture right, I'll put it into Snapseed and I'll edit it. I'll uh, brighten it or I'll saturate it or I'll move it around so it's not wonky. And it's not just about what engagement you're going to get on it. It's about your, if you're, if you're intending to create a brand on Instagram, you need to be consistent in your quality of making, of knowing people know what you're going to post is going to be good. You're not going to post rubbish. You're going to post the best that you can post. I would say that quality for me, the quality of what you're putting on is of utmost importance. If you're looking to build your brand, it's impossible at the moment for anybody to say how to gain followers on Instagram. It's really impossible. No one can say it. No one can predict that algorithm. No one can tell you. In the old days, you could say, oh, right, so you post at this time, take a good picture, post at this time, use these hashtags, um, engage, winning, like it's going to win, it's going to fly. Nowadays, doesn't you can't. But one thing that you can do is keep your engagement up with your audience because it's your audience that will make your account. So always respond, always be there to respond to questions. Don't post a picture and go back to it a day later and then respond. Sit there for an hour after you've posted it and just reply to people as they comment. Um, Respond to DMs, keep your stories up. It's about engaging with people um, to to gain that to gain that audience who are not going to go, they're not going to drop off because if they like what you're doing, then they'll stay. What does the future hold for you? What do you hope it holds for you on Instagram, on your blog? I'm still enjoying my Instagram account. Instagram, as I said, is just changing all the time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen in the next year on Instagram because it's really interesting. I do find it really interesting, the changes that they're making. I'm just hoping to probably just build on my book, maybe do a few more outside of Instagram things. We shall see. Lisa, that was a total pleasure. I'll end it there. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for asking me. Lisa's point about quality has gotten me thinking that maybe I don't talk enough about this with clients. Can it be the elephant in the room? Could your images, photos, graphics, videos be better? I think we, social media experts, coaches, friends, business buddies, can avoid those conversations because it seems discouraging. But of course, the first step towards getting anything working is to make it good. Good content is the place to start if we want to spread the word about what we do. So it's a fair question that we should ask ourselves, even if no one else is. Although being a one-person marketing department is hard, could we be doing it better? Could we get out there and learn how to take better photos, how to use Canva brilliantly, how to edit video? The internet's full of tutorials and courses. If we need any help, there's really no excuse. Perfectionism is nonsense, but good quality is great. What kind of impression are we making? Friend, this is it. Series one is a wrap. This has been too enjoyable to call it work. The next series starts in September. 
And I'm lining up some most excellent guests for you now. And we have some thoughts about extras, bringing a bit more value. You'll see how that pans out. Massive thanks to Suze, my producer from Story Publishing. She's had to deal with technical disasters, unusable audio recorded by me, and too much of me shouting into the mic. I'm so sorry. But you'll agree she's got it all sounding fantastic. People who've left five-star Apple podcast reviews. I have a little dream of getting 50 reviews by the end of this series and I'm nearly there so leave more. Thank you if you've emailed me to say you've listened to the show or shared it with your people on Instagram. I am beyond grateful. It would be lonely without you. Have a great few weeks if it's summer where you are. Really take a nap or two. I intend to but I will also see you over on Instagram. Bye.